Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yes, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Monday, January 15th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, high 34. And then tonight and overnight, Snow showers move in. We could get an inch of snow overnight here in the city, a little more north and west of the city, the low tonight, 29. And then tomorrow, snow showers, maybe one more inch of snow here in the city. And again, a little more north and west of the city, the high tomorrow, 35. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 21 and cloudy in New City up in Rockland County, 24 and cloudy in Monroe down in New Jersey. And it is 23 and partly cloudy outside our Midtown studio. So much to get to as we work our way up on this Monday to sit in friends in the morning. The big story today and over the next couple of days will be the cold weather. Of course, it is winter, so it shouldn't be shocking. Everything over the weekend from the uh, football playoffs to the presidential election, the Iowa caucuses out in Iowa being affected by this winter storm that is hitting much of the nation. There are stretches of this country that today are going to have highs anywhere from 20 to 50 degrees below average. So a lot of cold air across the country on top of all of this snow that we're seeing in various parts uh, of the Great Lakes and Midwest region. It was kind of a crazy weekend here in the city. On Saturday, it was 60 degrees in the morning, and then it just plummeted through the day. Uh, the GOP presidential hopefuls campaigning for today's Iowa caucus uh, had to cancel some of their in-person rallies or change them to tele-rallies. Uh, the NFL playoff game in Buffalo between the Bills and the Steelers on Saturday, that was moved to this afternoon due to the winter storm going through Buffalo. Seats for the Arrowhead game between Kansas City and Miami on Saturday, that one where it was like you know ten below zero. At game time, they were going for thirty five dollars. You could have gotten a seat uh, to see a playoff game and see Kansas City win because obviously lots of people didn't want to sit in the windshield that could have been as low as uh, twenty five or thirty below during that game on Saturday. But again, I point out it is winter. And it is January, so we shouldn't be shocked that it is awfully cold out. Now, how much will it affect the Iowa caucuses today? We'll, we'll find out. The thinking is that it helps President Trump, whose voters seem to be the most passionate about getting him back to the White House. He maintains this 30-point lead in the Iowa polls through the weekend. That points to the enthusiasm this poll shows for former President Trump compared to other contenders, which could be decisive in terms of who actually goes out to caucus Monday night. 
That's reporter Alice Barr says in the final NBC poll before the GOP caucuses, Trump had this 48 percent of likely Republican caucus voters saying or goers, I should say, say they were going to vote for him. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley narrowly edging out Governor DeSantis for second place and Vivek Ramaswamy a distant fourth with just 8 percent. Forecasters are anticipating wind chills potentially as low as negative 45. That is wild. It is also so dangerous. The poll shows nearly half of Haley's Iowa backers say they would vote for President Biden over former President Trump. So Trump held a teleconference in Iowa after his campaign canceled two events due to the poor weather over the weekend. He joined Iowa Attorney General Brenna Beer, a bird rather, for a video conference where he expressed confidence that voters in Iowa would turn out no matter what the weather. They're saying the Trump voter has so much more spirit, dedication, they say they'll walk over at last, that the Trump voters coming to vote. Yeah, in Iowa, parts of Iowa got really socked. There were some places getting 8, 10, 12, 14 inches of snow. You have to have immunity, otherwise the president is not going to be able to function. They're going to say, well, wait a minute, I don't want to get indicted as soon as I leave. And you'll you'll make some decisions that aren't going to be great decisions. The former president making a plea to voters says uh, Biden another four years would be a bad thing. This is obliteration. This is not a world war like we are used to. World War One, World War Two were terrible, horrible. Uh, this is uh, so much bigger than that. This is you know. Like annihilation. Nikki Haley in Iowa over the weekend. She says the only number that matters to her is the fact that her numbers are going up and everybody else's are going down. That's a great thing. But the real poll, you know, is on caucus day. And what we've said is we just want to come out of Iowa looking strong. Yeah, she says she's looking to beat Donald Trump in New Hampshire, her home state of South Carolina. We want to come out of New Hampshire strong. We want to come out of South Carolina strong. This is, you know, continuing state by state and trying to get every single vote that we can. Now, the question is, do any of these endorsements really matter? I I can't really tell you for sure. Republican Senator Joni Ernst, she's from Iowa, not making any endorsements ahead of the caucus in her home state today. I've made up my decision on who I will caucus for. It is a private ballot. Okay. She was on NBC Meet the Press yesterday. I am assuming that President Trump wins, but it could be any one of these fantastic candidates. We cannot have Joe Biden in the White House for a second term. Nikki Haley did pick up an endorsement yesterday from former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, who's never been a Trump fan. I'm convinced that the momentum is with Nikki Haley, that uh, she has the potential of moving into uh, second place. She's 17 points ahead of Joe Biden, and uh, it's a toss-up with Trump and Biden, and DeSantis is losing. Nikki Haley's the strongest chance for us to put forth our best possible candidate for November. And Ron DeSantis says he expects to, quote unquote, do well in the Iowa caucus. These women at polls say the opposite. With our folks, uh, they're committed. They're going to be there um, and we're going to have a good night. Yeah. So DeSantis quick to point out that in the 2016 caucus, which Ted Cruz won, even though Trump led in the final poll. It's very hard to poll an Iowa caucus, a period, which the 16 poll was not accurate uh, predicted, but especially one in negative 20 degrees. And you do have WABC News Time 509. Let's go back to Iowa, where the caucuses will take place today. Lots of people trying to stop the momentum of Donald Trump, who seems hard to beat. One of them, former presidential candidate Asa Hutchinson, who was also the former Arkansas governor, says Donald Trump would be a weak candidate come November. Fear-mongering and grievances only take you so far. 
That is uh, the sign of a weak candidate as you go further into this election year. The Arkansas governor pointing to the CBS poll that showed Trump and President Biden neck and neck in a head-to-head poll, and he says... Uh, if it was any other Republican, they would beat Joe Biden easily. It was an attack on our capital, the rule of law in Congress. And we cannot buy into that misleading by Donald Trump. I don't like the inflammatory language. I would never use that. Immigrants are important to our country, but we have to have the legal process. He's talking about, uh, he says, how uh, Donald Trump is defamed immigrants. A top surrogate for Joe Biden says the president's age is an asset and not a liability. There is something to be said about age and wisdom, and I think results matter. Minnesota Governor Tim Walz there praising Biden for the Infrastructure Act, getting roads and bridges built across the country. The chair of the Democratic Governors Association acknowledging that major immigration reform is needed at the southern border, but blamed what he called the House Republican chaos caucus for keeping the president from executing any kind of plan. I watched Joe Biden deliver on a historic infrastructure act that's building roads and bridges across Minnesota, Iowa, and the rest of the country. And he claims that the 2024 election is more about who can run the country than someone's age. Where the choice becomes between Donald Trump and disdain for the rule of law and Joe Biden competency on getting things done, that overweighs that. Senator Joe Manchin, by the way, he uh, spoke out yesterday as well, says... He may still run for president as a third-party candidate. To be a spoiler for the sake of throwing the election one way or the other, I would never do. And uh, that's not what, uh, how or what I would ever make a decision about. So the West Virginia Democrat says he wants to wait until March 5th, Super Tuesday primaries, to see where the two major parties are headed before deciding if he's going to launch a campaign. For any third party attempt, uh, would uh, it'll define itself by, let's say, Super Tuesday, if there's going to be any movement whatsoever. All right, let's get off the campaign trail. 511 flags flying half-staff in Iowa today in honor of a school principal who died after being wounded during that school shooting. Perry High School principal Dan Marburger died this morning of wounds suffered while trying to protect students during the attack. He'd been principal at the Des Moines area school for nearly three decades. A sixth grader was killed in the January 4th shooting, and a 17-year-old shooter died from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot. Four students and two staff members were injured in the attack. I'm Tammy Trujillo. The Supreme Court agreeing to hear a case about whether homeless people have a right to sleep on public property. Ira Spitzer says the decision could have a major impact on how authorities respond to homeless encampments, especially out west. The U.S.'s top court has agreed to review decisions by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that have limited the ability of California and the eight other western states under its jurisdiction to clear homeless encampments. Among the issues are whether people have a right to refuse shelter and sleep on the street and what happens when there are not enough free beds to house the homeless population. Homeless advocates say overturning them would be inhumane. A ruling is expected in June. WABC News Time 512. Let's go overseas. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the U.S. has been in tense talks with Israel to lower the intensity of its attacks in Gaza. We believe it's the right time for that transition, and we're talking about doing that. And Kirby says Israel has taken some steps to get there, including fewer airstrikes and pulling some troops out. He did not say their specific timetable for in transition to a lower intensity phase, other than to say he thinks it's coming 
coming very soon. More targeted, more precise raids, less airstrikes. Uh, We believe it's time to make that transition, and we have had that conversation with them. But Kirby says Hamas still a big threat to Israel today. They have every right and responsibility to go after that. It's just that we believe the time is coming here very, very soon for a transition to this lower intensity phase. And then you had people on the left speaking out over the weekend. Senator Bernie Sanders says the destruction happening in Gaza is worse than World War II bombing of Germany. If I use the word Dresden, Germany to you, you think about the horrific destruction. What is going on in Gaza now is worse than what took place in Dresden. Sanders reiterating that Israel has the right to defend itself against what he called a horrific terrorist attack by Hamas back on October 7th. But he questioned if Israel is complying with the Foreign Assistance Act, which means acting within human rights standards in American law while using military weapons provided by the U.S. You do not have a right to go to war against an entire people, women and children. Yes, so Sanders now drawing up a resolution for Congress to direct the State Department to look into whether or not Israel's attacks in Gaza are in violation of U.S. policy. It says that if American military assistance is given to any country, it has got to be used consistent with international human rights standards and American law. And down in D.C., organizers say they specifically picked the weekend of Martin Luther King Jr. holiday to hold a pro-Gaza march in D.C. Thousands of marches, including one D.C. area man who says he's lost family members in Gaza in the nation's capital to protest U.S. support of what protesters calling the killing of Palestinians by Israel. The fact this issue of the Palestinians uh, dealing with for over 75 years... Uh, They don't deserve this. The event organized by the American Muslims for Palestine. That going on as protests marking the 100th day of captivity for those hostages in Gaza yesterday. It's been 100 days since the October 7th attack on Israel by Hamas that killed 1,200 people and saw about 240 Israelis taken hostage. The Ministry of Health in Hamas-run Gaza says more than 23,000 Palestinians have been killed by Israel's bombardment and ground offensive in Gaza since. More than 130 hostages are still being held captive in the enclave. In Israel, families and supporters gathered in Tel Aviv's so-called hostage square to mark the milestone. There's been huge weekend rallies and protests in Washington, D.C. and places around the world calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. I'm Scott Carr. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Monday. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Monday. Good morning to you, Noam Aladen. We'll rehash the NFL wildcard playoff weekend that was starting with the AFC on Saturday. And the four-seed Texans running roughshod on the five-seed Browns by a score of 45-14 to to advance into the divisional round against one-seed Baltimore. On Saturday night, the uh, six-seed Dolphins fell flat in Kansas City against the three-seed Chiefs, with KC easily pulling out the 26-7 to victory to set up a date this weekend with the winner of this afternoon's matchup between the seven-seed Steelers and two-seed Bills. That game is set for a 4.30 p.m. kickoff in Buffalo. Yesterday afternoon in the NFC, the seven-seed Packers stunned the two-seed Cowboys in Dallas by a final score of 48-32, to ensuring Green Bay a date with the NFC one-seed 49ers this weekend. That was a shocking game to watch. When I they know. were up 27-7, to I was like, what is going on in Dallas? Yeah, Jeez. I mean, if you've watched uh, the Cowboys, though, in the playoffs really over the years, especially with Dak Prescott at uh, quarterback, uh, it hasn't turned out uh, the way that uh, they wanted to, or at least Jerry, Jerry Jones wants it to. They always pan to him when they were down, like you know, twenty-seven to nothing. They panned up, they pan over to him, and he's freaking out at everybody in the of box. Course. So, 
uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what you do there. I would imagine that they got to go move on here from Mike McCarthy, who just can't seem to get over that hump in the playoffs here. But and that streak apparently of the last time they were in the NFC Championship is like almost twenty years ago. Yep. Something crazy like that. Yep. And really, I mean, you would have thought this was the year the way they were playing at of home, course. especially. Yeah. You know, home playoff game in round one there. That was a two seed. You had uh, you had your path all set, but they couldn't get it done. Nope. Finally, last night, Gnome, the uh, three-seed Lions outlasted the six-seed Rams to come away with the 24-23 to nail-biting win and punch their ticket to the divisional round where Detroit will host the winner of tonight's game between the five-seed Eagles and four-seed Buccaneers. That matchup is scheduled for an 8.15 p.m. kickoff tonight to the ice at the Garden now where Temi Panarin and Alexi Lafreniere scored first-period goals and Igor Shosturkin made 24 saves and the Rangers snapped a four-game losing streak with a 2-1 to win over the Washington Capitals. Uh, New York was coming off Saturday's 3-2 loss to the Caps and a 1-4-1 overall start to the year 2024. They survived constant pressure by Washington in the third and failing to score on five power play chances of their own. To emerge with the eventual victory, Panarin scored his team-best 27th goal of the season, 50 seconds into the game with assists to Vincent Trocek and Jacob Truba. Panarin, he does lead the Rangers with 59 points. He has points in 35 of New York's 42 games this season. He was The goal, I should say, was his 400th point with the Blue Shirts. Tonight, uh, today and tonight, the Devils and Islanders return to action, starting with New Jersey and Boston to face off with the Bruins at 1 p.m. this afternoon. That's before the Isles drop the puck in Minnesota against the Wild at 5 p.m. On the hardwood, no local uh, NBA action yesterday, but the Knicks and Nets are both back in action today and tonight. This afternoon at 3 p.m., the Knicks will welcome in the Orlando Magic before the Nets welcome in the Miami Heat tonight for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off. That's Sports Note, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Thank you very much. Uh, Sydney tells me 28 years since the Cowboys have been in the NFC Championship. That's unbelievable. 520, big election in Taiwan over the weekend. The Democratic Progressive Party going to remain in power for a third consecutive term now. Vice President William Lai was elected president over the weekend, marking the first time in Taiwan's history that the same party has won election three straight times. William Lai campaigned on a platform of the status quo, appealing to voters who want things in Taiwan to stay the same, not independence, not reunification with the mainland. That's correspondent Janice Mackey Freyer. A lie was leading by more than a million votes when the main opposition candidate just conceded, even though the polls were still open. So the result could further uh, strain relations between Taiwan and Beijing, which has referred to Lai as a separatist and a total troublemaker. He was almost neck and neck uh, with the main opposition candidate, uh, Ho Yui of the Kuomintang. Just a few hours into counting the ballots, Ho realized that the numbers were not going in his favor. WABC News Time 522. The IRS going to begin accepting 2023 tax returns on January 29th. The tax agency is expecting over 128 million individual tax returns to be filed ahead of the April 15th deadline. This year, the IRS is rolling out new tools it says will make filing taxes easier. To give some taxpayers a head start on putting together their returns, the IRS free file is now available to anybody who earns less than 79 grand. I'm Dina Kodiak. You know, it's time to face the music for millions of Americans who went into debt to buy holiday presents over the holiday season. Now, the emails in the box filled with bills. Amanda Woods, a financial health specialist, says those debts are no laughing matter, especially when they jeopardize your ability to pay the mortgage, the utility, or even to buy groceries. So now you have to kind of face the mess 
that was made during the holiday season. This is a familiar thing for many people. Uh, she's kind of stating the obvious here, but she says you pay down the essentials before the credit cards. And if you can't afford to pay down the holiday debt, reach out to a financial advisor. They can help you create a plan to help you get out of it on the other side. So don't wait until it's hopeless. Don't wait until you feel like you can't get out from under it. Deal with it now. Find somebody now. Find that support, and they can kind of help you carve your way out. She says, actually, the worst thing you can do is just ignore it and not pay the bills. If somebody's offering, pay me this, and I can help you then pay down the rest of your debt, I would be leery of that. Yeah, no doubt. If you call them sometimes, or a lot of times, and you get somebody on the phone, they'll negotiate a deal because they want their money back to pay you know, uh, less or more over a period of time until you're able to pay them off. Chat GPT creator OpenAI responding to a lawsuit now from the New York Times accusing it of copyright infringement. Correspondent Ira Spitzer says in a statement, OpenAI rejects the claim that it doesn't have the legal right to use publicly available materials to train its large language model and what are becoming more complicated stories with the whole AI. OpenAI said that the New York Times lawsuit was without merit and called itself a supporter of journalism. In December, the newspaper sued OpenAI, as well as its largest investor, Microsoft, for copyright infringement, alleging that it illegally copied millions of articles to train its large language models and essentially used that information to compete with the newspaper. OpenAI argues that the training is legal under the principle of fair use and that it offers the option to opt out. Oppenheimer taking the top honors at the 2024 Critic Choice Awards. So we think there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world. Chances are near zero. Near zero. Yeah, the film winning eight trophies yesterday, including Best Picture, Best Director, Christopher Nolan, Best Supporting Actor, Robert Downey Jr., in the television side, The Bear, Succession, and Beef racking up awards for Best Comedy, Best Drama, and Best Limited Series. Harrison Ford was honored with the Career Achievement Award. And then tonight, it is the 75th Annual Emmy Awards. Uh, will you be watching? The primetime Emmys will be held Monday night with actor, comedian, and game show host Anthony Anderson set to host live on Fox from the Peacock Theater in Los Angeles. Leading the way in nominations with 155 total is Warner Brothers Discovery Studios. Among those set to present awards are TV icons Carol Burnett and Peter Dinklage. Fans of shows like The Sopranos and Cheers will want to watch for possible cast reunions and tributes. The show's scheduled to start at 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm Scott Carr. Oh, I'd love to be an Oscar Mayer looking for new hot doggers to drive its iconic Wienermobile. The meat and cold cold cut company owned by Kraft is hiring people to drive that 27-foot-long hot dog-shaped vehicle. The lucky wieners will be paid over a $35,000 salary along with a $150 weekly allowance. The average hot dogger travels 20,000 miles and visits at least 40 cities, hosting pop-up events and appearing on local media, creating social media content for the hot dog company. Let's take a look at Wall Street. There's no trading today as Wall Street closed in observance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. When the holiday shortened trading week does kick off Tuesday, it'll come on the heels of Friday's mixed close. As investors weighed the first batch of fourth quarter earnings, the closing bell saw the Dow lose 118 points. S&P 500 rose three. The Nasdaq gained two points. 
It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Monday, January 15th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun, clouds today, high 34. And then tonight and overnight, we're going to see some snow showers. Could get an inch of snow overnight here in the city little more north and west of the city the low uh, to, tonight will be 29 and then tuesday we'll have more snow showers maybe get another inch of snow here in the city again a little more north and west in the city uh the high tomorrow 35 if you are walking out the door with us right now 21 and cloudy in new city up in rockland county 24 and cloudy in monroe in new jersey and it is 24 and partly cloudy outside our midtown studios all of a sudden my studio got very soggy i don't know what it is is this part of getting older that i have this water cup that sits next to me as i do the show because i like you know drink a little water while i'm doing the show invariably i spill this thing over and nobody will be happy to hear this in management over all the equipment like i knock it over (laughs) and it just i mean it cleans off the desk it's really clean now but um my sleeve is wet I don't know what it is, but it's every 10 days ago uh, or so, I will knock over an entire cup of water, you know, like a good, you know, 10 ounce cup. But uh, everything's sparkly and clean, so I guess I should be happy about that. We'll start here in the uh, city. The search is on for this cabbie. Hit two strollers yesterday, a double hit and run. This was right near Rockefeller Center. This yellow SUV, a taxi, at least they think it was a taxi. Uh, goes through a yellow light, hits one stroller in the first crosswalk, then it crosses over and hits the other stroller. This was 48th Street, 6th Avenue, about 3 o'clock. The great news is nobody was hurt in either of these hits, thank God. But the search is still on for this cabbie, and there was a lot of eyewitnesses. The yellow taxi, he, did, he didn't stop in the, in the red light, and he kept going. And uh, on another side, the baby was coming, the, the baby with the car, and uh, his dad and his mom, and the taxi pushing the floor. The dad and his mom is stopping the floor, and the baby keep going with the car in the middle of the street. Yeah, so the good news again, nobody hurt. The NYPD now going to go through all the surveillance cameras in the area, and you can imagine how many there are. Rock, Rockefeller Center to hopefully find this dope. A shooting last night, this was frightening. A man shot dead. Inside a moving subway in Brooklyn, 34-year-old shot in the back and the shoulder. This was about 8.30 last night. He was on a Manhattan-bound three train that was approaching the Franklin Avenue Medgar Evers College Stop at Franklin Avenue Eastern Parkway. Taken to Kings County Hospital where he was pronounced dead. There were some riders who were nearby who had heard something happen, weren't really clear what had taken place, and then were told what was taking place. I don't feel nervous. You know, I know everywhere you go, there's always going to be some random terrible thing, and we just have to learn to live with it. Um, it would be nice if we had better gun control in this country. Tragic to the ones that, to the family that lost their loved ones. I, I apologize. My sincere condolences. Yeah, so the gunman, he's still on the loose. Police do not have a description of him at this time. Police have made no arrests, and they don't have any motive for the gunfire. An NYPD cop 
hospitalized after he was hit by a moped in the Bronx. The officer on duty in the Claremont section of the borough and the moped hit him near East 171st Street and Morris Avenue. No doubt these electric bikes and mopeds are everywhere. I'm sure you've had this, too, if you walk through the city. You almost get clipped by these guys constantly. It's amazing more people are not hurt. This officer went to the hospital to get treatment, thankfully, for minor injuries to his leg. The only description police have of the moped was that it was black. Uh, Again, now they are looking through surveillance cameras trying to find this dope who hit the officer and then kept on riding and now will face a slew of charges because it's just a matter of time until they catch up with them. Again, the good news in this case, like the uh, double stroller hit, is the injuries in this case just minor. WABC News Time 538 uh, Community Walk being held in Brooklyn yesterday, marking 100 days since the taking of those hostages from Israel to Gaza. It was the, uh, during that October 7th massacre played out by Hamas. This walk taking place, Avenue R, Ocean Parkway. There was a ton of these protest walks, whatever you want to call them, demonstrations taking place not just in New York, but all around the world yesterday. I don't think any mother should ever, ever have to see her children suffer. Even if it's 100 days, the Jewish community, the global Jewish community, is still here today to make sure that they come home right now. 110 of the 250 hostages have been released. An estimated 132 still in captivity today. There's no reason they should be there 100 days. We're, we're here to save people. We're here to save our people and to demonstrate uh, that they must be saved. Bring them home now. Bring them home Governor Hochul joining a Bring Them Home Now rally at the plaza near the United Nations. What happened? Why aren't they home right now? Why didn't they have a chance to celebrate Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and New Year with their families? Why are not people across this world demanding the freedom of these hostages? All kinds of lawmakers taking part in that protest, saying that the hostages will not be forgotten until they're free. Where's the outrage? Where is the daily coverage of the suffering of the hostages and their families? I'm sick and tired of the way this has been covered as if it doesn't matter. WABC News Time 540. Starting tomorrow, the city will impose a curfew on 1,900 migrants staying at four centers across the city. The centers located in Queens, Manhattan, and Brooklyn. Migrants will need to be there between the hours of 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. There's been a big push for this over the last couple weeks because neighbors who live near some of these shelters say they've been panhandling, even knocking on their doors. They're begging. I don't live in a city where I want to be around people that are begging. And they knock on your door, holding babies, asking for money with signs. Queens Councilwoman Joanne Ariola pushing this issue in hopes of mitigating the problem. She says the New York City shelter system has a 10 p.m. curfew for migrants. That's why she pushed for one for, or rather for homeless. That's why she pushed for one for the migrants. I don't know if it had much of a difference. I mean, uh, you know, what are they doing after 10 that's... That's bad. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not for everybody just coming into the city and us picking up the uh, the tab for it. They're still going to be outside. It doesn't matter, especially with people when they had a curfew for COVID. People were still outside. I mean, you see them all over the place at every hour, every day. Like I go to work, I come to work really early in the morning. There's always people out there. So I just think it would be better to kind of rein that in a little bit. 
Now, anybody who breaks the curfew three times in 30 days could be kicked out of these shelters. The four shelters, there was one at 35th Avenue in Astoria and Judo, the one in Lincoln, Manhattan, that's West 110th Street, the JFK Respite Center, that's in Queens, and the one in Stockton, that's also in Brooklyn. In total, the policy will apply to about 1,900 migrants across four sites across the city. 542, let's go over to New Jersey, where they're still dealing with all of that flooding from last week's rain. The Passaic River has started to recede, but the thought is it won't completely recede until Wednesday or so. So these people are still cleaning up. Mayor James Demanio, he's the mayor of Little Falls, says everyone's concerned about more rain in the forecast. I cannot even imagine what these residents are going through and the stresses that they are feeling uh, knowing that we have additional water coming. Yes, so uh, that happened over the weekend. Now there's snow in the forecast. Neighbors say they're tired of being flooded out. In some cases, this is the second time in three weeks for some families. You wake up and you, what you see is just water, you know, and, and it's hard. I'd rather, you know, relocate myself and, and live a peace life and not deal with this. Because one day I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to have my car here. There's vehicles at this auto body shop in Patterson under inches of flood water. The water damage destruction drawing the attention of Governor Murphy, who visited some of these waterlogged neighborhoods over the weekend. These storms are coming more frequently with more intensity. Shame on us if we don't figure out a way to get out ahead of it. It was just last week that the governor announced $10 million in funding to elevate or buy out flood-insured properties in the areas impacted by recent flooding. And it's not just in New Jersey, by the way. Out on Long Island, they were hit hard as well. Senator Schumer unveiling a plan that believes he will uh, unlock the emergency federal aid for Long Island beaches that have been battered by these back-to-back storms. He says if they put them all together and treat them as one, the Army Corps of Engineers will be able to come up with the money to fix what's wrong, some of it being the dunes that have gone away, the beach erosion. The Army Corps has a certain level of damage before they'll declare an emergency and come in and replenish the lost sand and, and, and foliage. The storm, no single storm has reached that threshold. But if you aggregate the damage that all of the storms have caused, it more than reaches the threshold. Schumer says recent storms have caused major dune and uh, erosion on the east side of Fire Island, the west side of the Shinnecock Inlet, west of Fire Island, Inlet, Jones Beach Island, and Montauk. Montauk. So it's been a tough time for them out on Long Island as well. Back here in the city, Mayor Adams announcing yesterday the city's three library systems will not face budget cuts in the 2025 fiscal year. Almost every city agency was asked to cut 5% of their budget for the next year. However, Mayor Adams says he can't allow library services to be reduced any further than they have been. The proposal submitted by our three library systems might have resulted in cutting Saturday service and reducing hours on weekdays. Our administration will not do that. And the funding is also being restored to the community schools and free summer program. Mayor Adams cites strong fiscal management for the reversal of cuts there. We are restoring funding for 170 community schools so students and families can continue to get the support they need. The schools serve students with needs outside of the classroom. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellen. Thank you, Noam Aladen. We'll rehash the NFL wildcard playoff weekend that was, starting with the AFC on Saturday and the four-seed Texans running a rough shot on the five-seed Browns. 
by a score of 45-14 to 14 to advance into the divisional round against one-seed Baltimore. It was fun while it lasted with Joe Flacco. On Saturday night, the six-seed Dolphins fell flat in Kansas City against the three-seed Chiefs, with KC easily pulling out the 26-7 to 7 victory to set up a date this weekend with the winner of this afternoon's matchup between the seven-seed Steelers and the two-seed Bills. That game is set for a 4.30 p.m. kickoff in Buffalo. Yesterday afternoon in the NFC, the seven-seed Packers stunned the two-seed Cowboys in Dallas by a final score of 48-32, to 32, ensuring Green Bay a date with the NFC one-seed 49ers this weekend. Finally, last night, the three-seed Lions outlasted the six-seed Rams to come away with the 24-23 nail-biting win and punch their ticket to the divisional round where Detroit will host the winner of tonight's game between the five-seed Eagles and four-seed Buccaneers. That matchup is scheduled for an 8.15 p.m. kickoff tonight. To the ice at the Garden now where Artemi Panarin and Alexi Lafreniere scored first-period goals and Igor Shosturkin made 24 saves and the New York Rangers snapped a four-game losing streak. With a 2-1 to win over the Washington Capitals, the uh, Rangers were coming off Saturday's 3-2 to loss to the Caps and a 1-4-1 overall start to 2024. Not so great, but they survived constant pressure from the Capitals in the third last night and failing to score on five power play chances of their own to emerge with the eventual victory, getting them off the schneid. Panarin scored his uh, team-best 27th goal of the season, 50 seconds into the game with assists to Trocek and Truba. He also leads the Rangers with 59 points and has points in 35 of New York's 42 games this season. That goal last night was his 400th point with the Blue Shirts. Today and tonight, the Devils and Islanders return to action, starting with New Jersey and Boston to face off at the Bruins at 1 p.m. this afternoon. That's before the Isles drop the puck in Minnesota against the Wild at 5 p.m. On the hardwood, no local uh, NBA action yesterday, but the Knicks and Nets are both back in action today and tonight. This afternoon at 3 p.m., the Knicks will welcome in the Orlando Magic before the Nets welcome in the Miami Heat tonight for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off. That's sports now. Give and, me the score yeah. of the two big games today. Final score. Final score. Uh, man, I would say... Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm going to take the Eagles over the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay tonight. I want to say the Eagles uh, figure some stuff out and, uh, you know, win by two touchdowns. But, hey, right. but hey, I'm not, I'm not getting... Uh, I'm not, you know, being ridiculous here. I'm just, you know... Speculating. Okay, two touchdown right, win not for like the Eagles. Anything. How about the Bills game? Uh, the Bills game, I see the Bills uh, not only uh, beating the Steelers, but really running them directly into the ground. So, okay, yep. there you go. Put that's, your money uh, on it. Yeah, I, well, I actually will put my money on it. And uh, that's sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77. That you are. Okay, let's get you up on the big stories of the morning. It's really the weather has been one of the biggest stories over the last 48 hours or so. Did you see that Cowboys game last night? It was like 15 degrees in Dallas. It's cold here. It's cold in the Midwest. There are stretches of this country that today are going to have highs anywhere from 20 to 50 degrees below average. So a lot of cold air across the country on top of all of this snow that we're seeing in various parts uh, of the Great Lakes and Midwest region. That's meteorologist Jesse Kirsch, GOP presidential hopefuls campaigning for the Iowa caucuses today, had to cancel some of their in-person rallies or change them to tele-rallies over the weekend. Of course, the game between the Buffalo Bills, Pittsburgh Steelers, which was supposed to be Saturday, was moved to this afternoon. Huge winter storm up in Buffalo. And did you know, were you watching that Kansas City game where it was below zero for much of the game against the Dolphins? Uh, seats, the fans... Our big fans and, uh, you know, Kansas City fans are huge Chief fans. They love their Chiefs, but uh, a lot of them didn't want to sit in the cold. In fact, the tickets were as cheap as 35 bucks to get into that game if you wanted to right before game time on Saturday night. And how is this playing out uh, for the Iowa caucus? We just don't know yet. 
President Trump maintaining this 30-point lead in the latest Iowa poll over the weekend. That points to the enthusiasm this poll shows for former President Trump compared to other contenders, which could be decisive in terms of who actually goes out to caucus Monday night. Reporter Alice Barr in Iowa says the final NBC poll before this GOP caucus is tonight. 48% for Donald Trump. UN former UN ambassador governor of South Carolina Nikki Haley narrow edging narrowly edging out Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for second place and Vivek Ramaswamy a distant fourth just eight percent. Forecasters are anticipating wind chills potentially as low as negative forty five. That is wild. It is also dangerous. Yes, yeah, so you have to come out in person for these caucuses. The way it works is you go to your local polling center. And someone who is an advocate for one of the candidates gives a speech and then you make your decision on the spot who you're going to vote for. The poll shows nearly half of Haley's Iowa backers say they would vote for President Biden over former President Trump. Trump holding a teleconference in Iowa over the weekend, joined by Iowa Attorney General Brenna Byrd for this video conference. They're saying the Trump voter has so much more spirit, dedication. They say they'll walk over at last that the Trump voters coming to vote. That may be true. You have to have immunity, otherwise the president is not going to be able to function. They're going to say, well, wait a minute, I don't want to get indicted as soon as I leave. And you'll, you'll make some decisions that aren't going to be great decisions. Trump says he needs to get back to the White House because he says America's closest it's ever been to World War III. This is obliteration. This is not a world war like we are used to. World War One, World War Two were terrible, horrible. Uh, this is uh, so much bigger than that. This is, you know, uh, like annihilation. Nikki Haley in Iowa over the weekend. She says the only numbers that matter is the fact that she's going up and everybody else's numbers are going down. That's a great thing. But the real poll, you know, is on caucus day. And what we've said is we just want to come out of Iowa looking strong. And as we told you, though, that latest poll has her a distant second behind Trump in the Iowa caucus. We want to come out of New Hampshire strong. We want to come out of South Carolina strong. This is, you know, continuing state by state and trying to get every single vote that we can. Yeah, it's not clear. Do the endorsements make a lick of a difference in these campaigns? Everybody's waiting to hear them. It's interesting to see who people back. Uh, Republican Senator from Iowa, Joni Ernst, won't publicly endorse any candidate ahead of the caucuses today. I've made up my decision on who I will caucus for. It is a private ballot. Yeah, so she's not talking. Uh, But former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan is, I guess, trying to... Uh, get his endorsement, and he put his endorsement for Nikki Haley yesterday. I'm convinced that the momentum is with Nikki Haley, that uh, she has the potential of moving into uh, second place. She's 17 points ahead of Joe Biden, and uh, it's a toss-up with Trump and Biden, and DeSantis is losing. Ron DeSantis expects, he says, to do well, in quotes, do well in the Iowa caucuses. With our folks, uh, they're committed, they're going to be there, um, and we're going to have a good night. He points to the 2016 caucus, which Ted Cruz won, even though Trump led big time in that final poll. It's very hard to poll an Iowa caucus, a period, which the 16 poll was not accurate, uh, predicted, but especially one in negative 20 degrees. Of course, keep it here for the results, 77 WABC, as they come in tonight. The life and contributions of the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. celebrated yesterday at a church in Spring Valley. Residents of all religions invited to the celebration first baptist church a lot of people brought their kids so they could learn about the legacy of dr king um, i think it's important for them to know their history um especially their black history 
So um, bringing her here to church in general um, is a good environment to expose her to that. So, of course, today we celebrate the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who would have been 95 today. He was assassinated, of course, back in 1968. Because you got to know your heritage, baby. You got to come on. It's not just a day off from school. Well, for unfortunately, like a lot of these holidays, they do become just a day off from school. We have an update to a story we told you about last week, that Bronx food pantry where the shelves went completely bare. The Albanian American Open Hand Association, people turning up for assistance, and they really had absolutely no food. The donations had run dry. Uh, Congressman Richie Torres had donated $5,000 to the pantry. That got them going again. And then a lot of individual people gave them money as well. And the Bronx is ground zero for food insecurity in the United States. We've seen an outpouring of gratitude, um, and we're going to continue to be supportive in whatever way we can. Yeah, so the good news is the Albanian-American Open Hand Association Food Pantry up in the Bronx open again today. And finally, Bronx resident Cindy Cruz turned 107 yesterday. I'm not sure I'd want to live to be 107. She came here to New York from Puerto Rico, was a career-driven woman, worked as a nurse throughout her lifetime. Her family celebrating her 107th birthday yesterday. We are six generations, okay, and she's seen her, her granddaughters, her great-granddaughters. I don't know, bichornos in Spanish, I don't know. But um, it's very important for her. She always been there. She's been here for so many years, and she worked. I remember I'm her first granddaughter, so... When she worked, she said, I'm working for you so you could have a better life. Yeah, amazing. City Cruise 107.